We are on the Dalit Ahmed Aleph. And I'll give you a quick summary of what we're doing. We've, we were talking about different kinds of tumas, that if a Nazir comes in contact with them, he has to uh, basically shave his head, bring the certain carbonus, and recalibrate his Naziris. And then we said there are exceptions where even though though he touched a corpse or something, he doesn't have to restart his Naziris. So we have an argument with Yerav Yechen and Ishlakish. The Mishnah said that if he touched a limb, which uh, either from a living person or a dead person, which doesn't have enough flesh on it, doesn't have a kazais of flesh, enough that it could regenerate itself had it been attached to a, to a uh, living person, so then there's no tumor of oil. There's no tumor of oil. So the argument is between Rabbi Yechel and Shlokish, what about the tumor of touching or masa or lifting indirectly? <clears throat> does another become, uh, do you become tamay? Does another have to shave his head or not? Rabbi Yechel said no. And Shlokish said yes. And Rabbi Yechel said, if there's a bone inside there, of course you do because of the bone. But if there's no bone inside there and there's not enough flesh there, there's an insufficient amount of flesh, why in the world should you become tummy? And why should the nuzzah have to shave? And Shlokis argues and he says, if you do mago and masa touching or lifting, yes, you do. And he um, and he brings two brises. The first brise uh, we learned yesterday, which basically talks about the concept of oil hovering over a dead body. Which talks about he found the body of Pnei Asada and so on. And now the next brise uh, Talks about touching. It talks about the uh, touch again. So the Brisa says, <coughs> um, it says in the Pasik, uh, two lines. When it comes to touching, and this is what the Shlok is going to try to prove, that when you touch um, an, a limb, even though it doesn't have sufficient flesh and it has no bone, nevertheless, you become tummy. When it comes to touching Amr Abhud, Abhud said, Tanya, we learned the Brisa. The Posik says that um, um, somebody touches a bone, or you touch either a person who was killed, was murdered, or part of the person of the Sunsi. Um, so now we're dashing. What exactly does it mean? Now, Bikholo cannot mean a dead person. We know already, says in the passing mace, a person dies, he generates tumor, or she generates tumor. Why does it then say Chol? What does Chol mean? So we say it follows. If you touch a bone the size of a barley, there's no oil there. We learned before already, there's no oil when it comes to a bone the size of a barley, but if you touch it or you lift it, you become tummy. What does it mean over there when it says in the passing? What do you mean by A person who was murdered. We know already an, a person who, pa- who passes away, who dies, generates tumor. What's the difference how he died? So it must be talking about aver, a limb. That was severed from a living person. But we already know about a limb which had enough flesh to regenerate. So obviously when we talks about here, we're not talking about oil anymore. We're talking about touching. Touching is far stricter because you're actually touching directly the tumor. So here we must be talking about there isn't enough flesh here to regrow. So therefore, this is going to be the proof to Reish Lakish that a limb that does not have enough flesh, but if you touch it or you carry it, you become tummy. 
Oy b'meis, and what does it mean the person or a dead person? We already know that a dead person is, causes oil, so of course, touching as well. The Eved hanechel min mesh. We're talking about an Eved that was severed from a, a dead person. So either from a living person or a dead person. Oy b'kever, and what does it mean to be here, the kever or in a, in a grave? Amar Shlokish. Shlokish says, the kever shalifna hadibur. We're talking about non-Jews. So he used the expression kever before the Matan Torah. As Rashi explains, before Matan Torah, everybody was not Jewish. And we know when it comes to non-Jews, if you're just hovering over it, oil, there's no oil. There's no oil by a non-Jewish uh, corpse. But touching, there is tumor. And that's what the pastor is telling you. Even though there's no oil, but there is the tumor of touching. Now, when you go back here, <clears throat> um, this aver, we're saying if, if, if an aver was severed from a dead person, what are we talking about? If that limb, like Rabbi Yechina maintains, has to have a bone the size of a barley within the limb, then I know how to give It's not rough saying the gave if you touch a bone. Why repeat yourself twice? Must be talking about the lesbian. There is no bone there the size of a barley, but because it's a limb, even though it doesn't have no, no bone, no flesh, nevertheless, if you become tummy. After the Hochi, nevertheless, says you become tummy. What's Rabbi going to respond? It's clear. It seems pretty clear for me that an Eber that doesn't have enough flesh and no bone, it doesn't talk about a bone, but obviously there's no bone there. Otherwise, it's already included in the law of bone. So Rabbi Yechel is going to tell you there's, there's three kinds of, the three methods of, of transferring tumen. One is oil, sharing a common roof or hovering over it. One is, the other extreme is Nagay if you're touching it. And in the middle, there is a thing called Masa. Masa is lifting it, but lifting it not that by touching it, then it's touching. Lifting is, for example, you pick up a spoon and inside the spoon, the end of the spoon, you have that thing. So indirectly, I'm in contact with that tummy. Rabbi Echelon says that when we talk about over here, limb, they're talking about there's a bone and the size of a barley. So your question was, why do we need to, to, to repeat it twice? They already mentioned the bone the size of a barley. No, the first part of the passage you're talking about, we directly touch that bone. And here, the Kiddush is more novel, that you picked up a limb, and the limb, inside the limb, there's a bone. You're not actually touching directly the bone. You're just carrying it. And that's also another method of becoming tame. But a limb without a bone and not enough flesh in it does not pass on tuma. That's Rabbi Yechman says. I'm Rabbi Yechman. There is a bone inside that limb. It's not talking about touching. It's talking about carrying. And Rish Lakish uh, doesn't feel that you need uh, a separate Chiddush uh, for Masa. Maga and Masa usually go hand in hand. Faces asks, you know, how come Rishlaki doesn't need to? But that would seem, that's what it would seem to be. Then the Mishnah continued. What you do then is, uh, this, this, this person who became Tameh, uh, this Nazir, so he has to go through the Paraduma process, the third and seventh day, and then he has to uh, you know, get a haircut, and bring Kabbalas and start all over again. Now, we had in the Gemara a while ago a big argument between Rabbi Lezer Hachamim and the third opinion as well. According to Rabbi Lezer, the seventh day when he got sprayed, sprinkled, let's say, in the morning, that's it. And he goes to the mikveh and he's already starts counting his Naziris that day. The seventh day is not counting Naziris. Even though you don't bring Kabbalas till the eighth day, it doesn't matter. According to Rabbi Hachamim, you have to actually wait till the eighth day, till you bring the Kabbalas. Before you start counting your Naziris again. 
And then within the Chachamim itself, we had sort of two opinions, whether you have to wait till you actually bring the Kabbalists on the eighth day, or as soon as it's the eighth day, even though you didn't bring Kabbalists, the fact that you can bring the Kabbalists is good enough. So now the Gemara says over here, it seems clearly that our Gemara did not have the text that we have in our Mishnah. Because now Mishnah, it says that afterwards you, um, you cancel your original Naziris and you don't begin counting until you become Tahar and, um, and you brought your Kabbalists. So it's clearly in our Mishnah that it, the eighth day is when you begin counting again. And furthermore, it sounds like you actually have to bring your Kabbalists, not only the eighth day when you're suitable to bring Kabbalists. Al Gemara is going to question this. So obviously, Al Gemara does not have these words and maybe it's Kabbalists. So the Gemara. How do we understand our Mishnah? Iboy will have a question. This is what it says. This is what it says. That until you become Torah, means that when do you start counting your Naziris again? On the seventh day. Just when the sun is about to set. So you start counting as day one, and then you start counting from the seventh day onward. Umani Rabelezi, in the author of our Mishnah, Rabelezi. Until perhaps Bishwini Koy, we're talking about the eighth day, and you know, the seventh day you became tired, but the eighth day you bring your kabbalas. Umai Achi Yitoy, what does it mean until you become tired? Achi Yavi Kabbalas, you bring kabbalas. Umani, and who's the author of our Mishnah? Rabbani, it's Rabban. Toshma, come in here. Medictoni is safe, it says at the end, Maschil Umayna. Miyad, it says at the end that you begin and you count straight away. Horatia, it says you begin counting straight away. Horatia, my Achi Yitoy. So, what does it mean? You already said you start counting straight away. So, what does it mean when it says Achi Yitoy to become tired? You already said you start counting right after the seventh day, you start counting. So, if it means on the very seventh day, then what does it mean by adding until you become tired? You already said this, this, you know, you spray the seventh day and then you count. Um, it must be Achi Yovi of the word Achi Tari means it's another step besides the fact that you were sprayed, you have to do something else, and that is to bring the Kabbalists. In other words, you don't start counting on the seventh day, you only start counting after you became tired. And over here, Torah is referring to the Kabbalists. Umani, and who's also a Mishnah, Rabbanani, the Rabbanan, Amri, they say, Nazir is the Torah, Ad Shmini Lechaiva. That the Naziris, the new Naziris, that you start counting again, you have to wait until the eighth day when you bring your Kabbalists. And that's when you start counting. Next Mishnah. Um, next Mishnah. Now we're going to talk about a number of uh, causes of tumor where the Nazir does not have to shave his head. Some of them are tumor dealing with Mesim, and even so, and some of them are other things. So Mishnah. Avo, but has switching Maru explained, we're talking about a tree that has branches, thick branches, you know, the width of a tefach or greater, but the branches are not all, you know, next to each other, so there's a gap between one branch and the next, and underneath one of the branches, there was a flesh of, a kazayas of flesh, and he just doesn't know which one it is. Now, we have a general rule, and we can learn this from Saita, that if there's a suffix tumma, you're not sure if you became tummy. If it's in a private domain, we're always stringent. If it's a public domain, we are always lenient. But we are machmer in this case over here. We're machmer, midrabon. Same, same thing as our praise. We have stones protruding from a wall surrounding the cemetery. And it seems that there was a, a fetus or something that was, um, for some reason or another, buried or lying underneath one of these stones. You just don't know if you walked underneath that stone or not. And be, walking underneath that stone, that stone is like a roof. So you have a common roof. 
is um, so we're machmer again with Rabban. And the um, next one is the base of Pras. And the base of Pras is where there was a, 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 there was a grave there and they plowed through the field. And we're concerned that there might be bones the size of a barley there in the field, which there's no law of oil, but we are worried because you crushed everything. But we are worried that you might touch it and move it with your feet. So we say up to 100 amas, you're not allowed to walk in that image of Rabban. Next thing, the Eretz Amin. Going to Chutzlaretz. Chutzlaretz for a Koyin in Ejusro or anybody going to Chutzlaretz, the Rabbanon decreed that he should become Tameh. Why? We'll see the Gemara soon, the whole discussion. Then we have Goyil and Doifik. What are Goyil and Doifik? There's a big argument. They're showing him they actually have three opinions. Rashi holds that Goyil means the lid of a coffin and Doifik means the coffin itself, the walls of the coffin. And, and, and that generates Tumah, obviously, but another doesn't have to shave his head for that. I guess because you're not touching directly the mace. And Rabbeinu Tal has difficulties with this because Rabbeinu Tal says he has a Gemara that you can use an animal as a goyal. Um, how can, who puts an animal on top as a lid? So he, he, he learned just like the headstone. You have a tombstone. The way it used to be is they used to have a tombstone. There was a stone. It was not directly on the mace. It was like a headstone. But right underneath the tombstone, there were two rocks that uh, held it in place. So the top stone, um, the, the matzeva itself, that is called goyal. The two stones underneath it that held it up was called daifik. The third opinion the Rishonim is it was actually like Rashi on top of the mace directly, but it wasn't a lid of a coffin. It was they used to use these big boulders or something, and they had a few stones underneath it to hold it up. But anyhow, this goyel and daifik generates tumor, but the nazir doesn't have to shave his head. Revius dam, a quarter of a leg of blood. We learned before already that it, the halacha mishmasina has to be half a leg. Of blood before we um the nazar has to shake. But a quarter of a light is enough to to, to spread tumor, but uh, the nazar does not have to uh does not have to shave. In fact, even if he touches it, even if he lifts it, he doesn't have to shave. Then the oil, some people say the oil is a separate thing, it's the, the house or the tent that's housing this this corpse. The tent itself becomes tummy. Others say the oil is part of the next two words. Oil We learned before already, for another to shave his head, you need to be half of a calf of bones. If it's a quarter calf of bones and you um, and you touch it and you move it, um, then you become tummy. And the another becomes tummy. But if it's just um, sitting in the same oil, he does not have to shave himself. The kalim hanoyim mace. Before we learned about a, a sword touching a mace, here we're talking about other kalim that are touching a corpse. Now we learned we learned before yesterday that a cherev that a sword is just like, has the same state, the same properties as the chol itself as a dead person. So to the extent if you touch the sword, you become tame for seven days, and if you come to a quarter of time into the sword, you have to be sprinkled down from the paraduma the third and seventh day. Everything is the same. <clears throat> Yeah, and um, so here we're talking about other kalim, not necessarily a sword. What's me sifrei gomre? There are three stages by a mitzvah. Stage number one is you found the discoloring there, and, and he goes to a kayan, and the kayan says, let's put you in isolation. We need to determine if this is a teras or not. So that first period of... Um, uh, what do you call it? Of, um, of being in isolation, it's called Yemei Hezgarai. And it's like a question. I, I, are you, do you have Taras? Don't you have Taras? Okay, so you're in isolation. 
Then when the coin determines that you have Taras, you have to spend some time there until the coin can, can see, can assess that it's, that it's reducing and you're cured. Once you're cured, now we have two periods. You have Mechalutoi. Mechalutoi is a time that you are, you've been established, that you are, that you have Taras. When you finish that time and now you've been cured, so you have to take a haircut. You go to the mikveh and you bring these two pigeons. One of them we're going to shecht and we're going to take the blood of that pigeon and we mix it with water. And then you take the live pigeon and you dip it into the into that mixture and you sprinkle it on the mitzvah and then you shoo it away. Then next seven days, he's been cured already. It's called Yemei Sifra, the days you count. You count seven more days. And at the end of those seven days, again, he's, he's still in isolation, but again, he has to take a haircut, shave himself from top to bottom, and he goes to the mikvah, and then he brings all the kabbalas that are due to Taras. So you have three periods. So he says in the two periods, which is Yemei Sifri, Yemei Gumrit. Actually, Yemei Sifri takes place after Yemei Gumrit. But Yemei Sifri, Yemei Gumrit, that um, those two periods where you have to take a haircut at the very end and then go to the mikvah and so on. <clears throat> Uh, the Nazar does not have to shave. No, if the Nazar became a Matsura in the middle, he doesn't have to shave. Even though Matsura does shave, you're right, but he's not shaving as a, as a Nazar, he's shaving as a Matsura. And in some of these cases, not in the case of a Matsura, why would you spray a sprinkle? What, you know, what to do with Paraduma? But in some of these cases, you have to spray on him from the sprinkle on him from the Paraduma. You know, the, the case of the branch of the tree and the stone and the, the, the reveals of blood and so on. But he does not cancel the original Naziris. In other, words, he, in other words, it's like he has a credit. 15 days into Naziris, then these things happened. So you wait till you become Torah and then you resume your Naziris. You resume it. It's not like the case if you touch a corpse that you have to start all over again. You begin counting as soon as you're able, as soon as you're tired. The carbon ain't and you don't bring a carbon. There's no carbon in it because when you become tummy, you touch a dead body after you become tired, you have to bring a carbon, but not in these instances here. But MS Amr, in truth, they said, that you may have if this Nazir was a male and he had these emissions, two emissions, which is tummy for seven days, or a Zov if she's a female and then she had her emissions and she's tummy for seven days. The May has gained a The first days of material when he's in a state of limbo, we're trying to work out what his situation is. Even though everything is sort of on pause, then in these three cases, they're not on pause. While this person is Zava and waiting to become Tayyar or a Zava or Mitsura working out with him, those days are counted towards his Naziris. The Naziris continues counting. There's nothing there to interrupt it. So first thing I want to say is what exactly is Chachas? Elon a tree. It's a tree that, that is um, hanging over in the ground in the situation we said before. That's These are protruding from a wall. So we have a question. What is the, exactly the prohibition of Eretz Amin? What exactly is the reason why we banned Eretz <clears throat> Um Is it, and we had this uh, sugi already before in the Gemara, in the beginning of Nasser, is it Is it just the air, the air space as well is forbidden? Rashi learns also, that's the reason. Is it the ground? In other words, is it because we don't want you to leave out your soul go to So therefore we said, chutzlaret makes you tummy. Just being in, just being in, the, in, in the environment, chutzlaret makes you tummy. Is that what it is? Or is it 
is um, or is it because um, um, the ground is tummy? Why should the ground be tummy? Because we are concerned that there are dead bodies not buried in a proper burial site, and therefore, when you're going to walk chutzlars, you're walking over dead bodies. You are actually a oil. You're an oil. So, um, actually, it was difficult to understand this thesis here. Now, before we go further, what is the difference? What is the difference whether we say that it's um, gush or avir? The difference is as follows. The difference is that gush means die. What happens if you if you transported you, someone transported you into chutzlar? It's inside a box. If you're inside a box, the box protects you that you're no longer hovering over these uh, dead bodies lying on the ground. So if the tumma in Chutzlar, which the rabbis impose, is based on the fact that we suspect that dead body is strewn all over, you're protected. You're not tummy. But if the idea is we don't want you to go to Chutzlar, so just saying the avir of Chutzlar already makes you tummy, then the box doesn't help because obviously you, you don't have a lid on top how you breathe. So therefore you're in the space of Chutzlar and it's a problem. What I don't understand is Taisa says here a very odd thing, I think. Taisa says here, in the Taisis, I'll just read you what he says here. He says, maybe it's the ground. Why should I deal with some Gusha? So Taisa says, why, why should Gusha make it tummy? He says, I'll read you the first two lines of Taisis. Davke Hamail al Gusha. Now it's limited only if you're standing and hovering over um, the ground. Gozu, we are worried. It's as if you're standing directly over a corpse. Why? They play say marble. We are worried about the people in the marble that died and they're all over the place. Now that's very difficult to understand. They were all goyim. There's no oil. We learned this, we did this one just before. There's no oil. Yes, there's no oil by goyim. Goyim, if you touch them, not if you're hovering over it. So what do we may say marble? Who cares? And then look at the next three words of Tesis. I or the Pnei Rav Meyisrael Sheneher Guba Chutzlaretz. That the majority of Jews were killed in Chutzlaretz and they never were buried properly. Where did Tesis get that from? He's saying that historically, majority of the Jews were killed and didn't die a natural death and were not buried properly. Where, where does that come from? It never happened that majority of Jews were killed. Even the Holocaust. Um, it doesn't say here, Rabbi Meisrael, it says, Rav Meisrael. My only thought is that Tesis was written during the Crusades. And maybe, you know, in the Crusaders, they went through Europe and they ripped apart communities all over the place. And we have no real numbers of what happened. And maybe Tesis felt that that's what was happening. That Rav Meisrael Nergu. That's how they live, maybe. Is it possible that he's saying that the Rav Meisrael, meaning the majority of Jews who were killed, were not buried properly? It doesn't mean that majority of Jewish people were Where killed. does he say that? Which words? I'm, 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 ask, I'm, I'm asking. Uh, the words are missing. The words are missing. Either Tejushu said, Rabbi Meisrael, Shenergo Chutzlaretz, or Rav, what do you mean? Everyone who was killed was buried. Who would have buried them? When they killed entire communities, who do you think went around burying them? They were just left, unfortunately, there. You think the Goyim had enough respect to bury the Eden? Who's, who was left there to bury anybody? So, um, I don't know. Anyway, 
a sad commentary on how life was, or how they saw life. Anyway, back to the Gemara. The Gemara wants to know what is the Easter of Eretz Amim? Is it because of the Avi or is it because of the of the, 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 these bodies strewn all over? Says the Gemara, Toshma, come in here. It says in the Mishnah, Umaze Bishlishi Bishri. In the Mishnah, it mentions uh, Kiriakum. And it says, Umaze, sorry, it says Eretz Amim. It says Eretz Amim. And then it says you have to spray the third and seventh day. Now, the only time you spray the paradum is if you if you think that somebody touched a dead body. Now, it's very obvious. If we are if the ban for going into chutzlaris is purely because we don't want you to chutzlaris because of the avir, then where does paraduma come in? But if it's because gusha, because we're worried that you're going to be hovering over a dead body, okay, it makes sense. Paraduma says ignore. Later, I'll tell you Mishum avir. I'll tell you because of avir. Vichiktani ashar tomashar Sorry. Uh, sorry, I skipped the line. The Amid, if you're going to say, Mishumavira, that just we don't want you in the environment of Chutzler, it's the Hazar Lamali. Well, what will the Paradum come in? Elalab, isn't it Mishum Gusha? Isn't it only because of Gusha? Because that you're in, on the ground and you might be, you know, hovering over these dead bodies. So they clear that's why there's Paradum. So no, no, no proof. If I can tell you, Mishumavira, it's really to do with the Avir. I, why is the Mishnah say Paraduma? Not every single case in this Mishnah is covered by Paraduma. The Mishnah is saying those cases that deal directly with corpses, you need Paraduma, but not every case. I'll prove you another one. How can that make sense? We turn it to the Kaylin Logimez. It says Kaylin that touch a mace. Hani Kaylin Bene Hazoin. If somebody touches a Kaylin, you have to spray Paraduma. Not every case, the Mishnah says Paraduma doesn't mean every case. So they ask a little question of Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam said that a in every respect, including that if you touch the sword that killed the person, then you have to um, be spray, uh, sprinkled by the paradumim. It says more clearly not. So Rabbeinu Tam says that, that the mission is not just talking about metal kalim, it's talking about garments, talking about other things, wooden kalim. And for that, it, it doesn't really um, cause any tumor, and you definitely don't need paradumim. Okay, your question still remains a question. So I can say to you, there's actually an argument of Tanoi. And it goes as follows. Whether it's is because of Gush or because of Avir. If somebody goes, it says the following, the price, somebody entered Chutzlaretz, Bishay, the Teva Migdal, and the different kinds of boxes, including a closet. Rebbe says, Tame. Now, why would you be Tame? You're inside a box. Must be, it's the Avir. Because you have no lid on top, it must be the Abir. And Abiyah said that you're tired. Why are you tired? Because he says it's the goosh, it's the ground, and you're covered, you're, you're, you're protected by this box. My love, Rebbe Sava Mishumavira, Rebbe holds because of the Abir, and therefore your tummy. And Abiyah Sava Mishumavira, because of the ground. Second, we're no. The two ways of learning this Gemara will learn both ways. First, the first way is as follows. Loino. Kuliyama, everyone agrees, Mishum Gusha. There's only one concern, Gusha. So if you come in, if, if you're inside a box in the air or something, there's, if you're on a bridge somewhere, you're not on the ground, you don't become, um, there's no problem. But, Masava, one of them holds oil, oil. One of them holds an oil, Zadik is called an oil. In other words, that one of them says, nothing to do with that. Everyone holds that the problem is Gusha. But you're in a box, so aren't you protected? But your box is mobile. And the question is, is a mobile box considered an oil zoruk or not? 
So Masava, one of them holds oil zaruks my oil. One of them holds a box that's mobile, still oil. So no Rabbi holds you still protected, and that's why you are tired, even though it's moving. says no, it's not called an oil. And uh, the moment that it becomes a projectile or is moving, it's no longer really a home. It's no longer stationary. It's no longer protecting you. And that's why Rabbi says you are tummy. So what are you telling me right now that Rabbi Yaisi by Yudah holds that a moving box is still considered uh, oil and it protects him from the ground? How can that be? But Tanya, we clearly learned we have a box filled with pottery, you know, pots and pans inside. You threw it, let's say, from you threw it into entrance to the oil and went out the exit the other side. But meanwhile, it, it hovered over a mace. Did it become Taminat? Tameya. He says it is Tame. In other words, because the oil was moving and a moving oil does not protect the Kalim that's inside. You just said, Yehuda says the reason why if you're in a box, your tire is because he holds that even while you're moving, you're still considered an oil it's protecting the person inside. So how come he says when you throw it through oil with Caleb inside, the Caleb become tummy? That this proves the Gemara's answer. But it says that him standing in one place, the tire is tired. No, it wasn't moving at all. Kasha, Yehuda, we have to come up with a new answer. Hello, that's one way of learning. The other way of learning that the Rush learns is he has another way of learning, goes as follows, just opposite. That very interesting logic. The Yamada is, is actually supporting Rabbi Yisibar Yehuda. We're, we're agreeing with this view that we just said. Rabbi Yisibar Yehuda holds that a mobile oil is, is, um, is, is considered an oil. But what's the definition of a mobile oil? Rabbi Yisibar Yehuda says there are two kinds of mobile oils. There's a mobile oil where people are holding it and walking with it, and there's a mobile oil where it becomes a projectile. Says Rabbi Yisheb in principle, I agree with Rebbe. A projectile is no longer an oil. But you know when? When nobody's holding on to it, so it's just flying in the air. But when you have people carrying a box, the box is not moving. It's the people who are moving. So therefore, Rabbi Yishe says that if people are carrying a box, that box is still a good oil. If people are carrying a person in a shade of table middle into Eretz Amim, he's tired. You know why? Because the box is not is, is 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 stationary. The people are moving, but the box is stationary, and therefore it's a good protection. And I'll prove it to you from this brisa that when it when you threw the the, uh, the this box with Kalim as a projectile, it becomes tummy because it's moving and is no longer considered an oil. But if it's if it's standing in one place, what means standing in one place? Menachas means resting on the shoulders of people, and they're walking with the box to the oil. It will be tired. Why? Yeah, it's moving because uh, 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 such a kind of movement is not called uh, a movement, and it's still a valid oil. That's how the rush learns. Okay, we continue. Another answer. So if we learn the first way, then Ella, because we're giving a new answer, the first answer was rejected. Uh, if, if we learn the way the Russia said, then it's, we take out the word Ella. Another way of learning it. Kuliyama, everyone agrees with Mishim Avira. Everyone agrees the problem is Avira. No, if the problem is Avira, why in the world of Yeshua you to say that if you're inside a box, you're tired? You know why? Because it's very uncommon for people to be carried in a box. And there's a general rule that something, remember this whole thing is only for the rabbis. General rule, the rabbis don't interdict against something which is very uncommon. So therefore they say, um, this is what the argument is. Since it's so uncommon for people to be transported in the box, 
Even though it's uncommon, Rabbanon will geyser. So the um, Rebbe holds that it's still geyser, even though it's uncommon. So everyone agrees that it's avir. Everyone agrees that, um, and, and the only argument is whether Rabbanon will be geyser something shrich. But Tanya, I'll prove it to you. It says clearly, somebody enters Chutz Laretz, the shade of Teva Migl Torah, and who's the author of that opinion? We said already based on Yudah. But then it says, but the Koran, if it's in a wagon, a swine, and a boat, Vizkaya, and a ship that has a mast, Tame. It is Tame. Why should it be Tame? Why should it be Tame? The only possible reason is because this is uncommon, and this form of transport in a boat, in a wagon, that's common. And therefore, you become Tame. Ibai same another way of learning that everyone agrees is gusha. Everyone agrees is the ground. No, if everyone agrees is the ground, so how come over here you're not tummy? So you're an oil, and um, and the reason is follows because everyone holds that a moving oil is uh, is still an oil. A box, even though it's moving, is still a valid oil. So that's what makes sense why Rabbi Yosef of Yehuda says it's tired. And um, I, how can you say, what about the case of the thing flying through the tent? Over there was a projectile. A projectile is different. That's not oil. Everyone agrees right now, even Rabbi, that a moving box, since box is stationary, people are just moving around, it is considered an oil. And Hach over here, Shema Yaitzi Reishi They're arguing that I know something altogether. While you're in the box, you're, you're safe. Are, are we worried that you're going to stick your head out? So even though you haven't stuck your head out yet, the rabbis already are concerned, and therefore they said, we don't want you to rely on this box. That's the concern. And I'll prove it to you. Because what um, we learned, somebody goes into Chutz Laaretz, the shade the table, middle, tire, is tired. That's Rabbi Yeshua's opinion. Until he sticks his head out. That means clearly, Rabbi Yehuda said, we're not going to make any interdiction. We're not going to make any xeris. If you stick your head out, it's a problem. If you don't, it's all right. And Rebbe says, we are worried that you might stick your head out. So that's the base of the argument. So we don't really have a resolution because we can either learn the last answer is everyone agrees. Chutzlar is the problem is that the, the body is strewn everywhere. The middle answer was that everyone agrees that it's the avir. So we don't really have a resolution of different ways of learning. And Trace's version is that we are scared you'll stick your head and the most of the majority of body outside. Our version is the head or the majority. Bit hard to understand why you need the head and the majority when we know when it comes to oil, even a finger, even your nose, we learned before, is enough to make your tummy, your entire body tummy. Not sure. Anyway, that ends at today's Gemara. Everyone have a good week. And, Thank you. Uh, so was the outcome that they would need spraying from the Pora Oduma on the third and seventh day? So the outcome is not when it comes to Eretz Amim, because it's only, it depends. If it's Avir, no. If it's Gush, yes. So it depends which answer we follow. But you know that we're talking about the oil Zorak. You, you, I'm sure you read, you heard about these Kainim who fly on airplanes and mm. Sometimes they wrap themselves up to to because if you hold that oil zoruk loishma oil and and this is like a projectile that's moving, so therefore you might there might be a um, what do you call it? it might be a problem that you are traveling over cemeteries now Galicia cemeteries you're not worried about because there's no oil there but you might be you know traveling over especially in Europe which unfortunately there are a lot of eating there.
who have not been buried properly, and there might be a problem. So a few people who are machmer that. Right. But it's not really a projectile. It's got its own power source that keeps it moving as opposed to the the, the yeah. box that was thrown where it doesn't have any power source. The... True, true, true. But that isn't the issue. The issue is that we learn from uh, the whole concept of oil is a tent. A tent is something stationary. And this mm. is mobile. The rush is the one who comes along and makes a difference whether it's moving, it itself is moving or it is somebody else is moving, but it's, it's in one place. How do you view a plane? I mean, we had a little bit on Shabbos. Is the, is the plane still in the air is moving or is the plane moving? Yeah. And then in the future, do they need to have, can they be sprinkled people that, when they arrive at Ben-Gurion or they have to be in Yerushalayim? Anywhere, it can be anywhere in Israel, but we do need a paradigm. Right, yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. We're working on getting one. Okay, thanks. Shabbat <laughs>